With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. I'm Ben Ellis, Cage Warriors Featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Blanton Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 63. Tonight we'll uh, be talking to our special guest, plus having a look at last uh, the latest news and rumours in the fight world, plus, of course, breaking down last night's incredible UFC 258 card. And uh, lastly, we'll finish off with some predictions for next week's fights. But uh, as usual, you can get this show and all the other series and shows we do youtube.com slash ace podcast nation if you'd like to watch it and if you prefer to download the audio you can get it all at all podcast platforms just uh, search ace podcast nation and you'll find all the different series under that banner but uh without further ado let's introduce first of all my co-host as usual former cage warriors champion uk mma legend mr danny batten how are you sir yeah, I'm really good. Hello, Cy. Hello, Corey. Um, yeah, good. Ah, oh, wow. Well, I thought it was a hell of a treat of UFC last night. So I'm um, I'm buzzing to get talking about it a little later. Yeah, mate. It was really good. Good show. Actually, it was, I enjoyed it. 
So it wasn't many finishes. Like we've been treated recently to a lot of finishes and like the main card. I felt like there was um, a lot of the fights went the distance, which is not always a bad thing, and particularly when they're entertaining fights. But uh, mm. we'll get to that a bit later. But before we do, I'm delighted to welcome our special guest this week. Is none other than I believe the first Welsh female to sign with the UFC. Hot off her impressive debut with the promotion, it's UFC strawweight Corey Poppins McKenna. Welcome, Corey. Great to have you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so good. We're looking forward to it. So, I think first and foremost, we'll ask you: Is uh, how does it feel to be the first Welsh female to sign with the UFC? Yeah, it's great. Obviously, um, there's a lot of lot of Welsh guys coming through at the moment. I think there's well. There was four in the UFC. Uh, I know Brett Johnson's gone on to Bellator and everything now, but um, yeah, there's a lot of Welsh talent coming through, so it's really cool for me to be able to say that I'm, you know, not only am I obviously in with them guys, but also first female to do so. Uh, hopefully, there'll be many more coming, you know, afterwards. Yeah, indeed. As I, I love it when we have the the Welsh fighters on the show. It makes me feel at home nicely. But we had um, Arnold Allen on uh, last week, who is uh, a friend of yours, teammate of yours, and uh, he insinuated to us that you are not Welsh. He said, she's English. So, uh, could you tell us a bit about that? So, I have this debate a lot, and it's actually something that my father gets rather heated over this. Um, so, my dad was in the military, which meant we moved around a lot. So, obviously, I spent a large portion of my um, like teen years sort of where, where I met Arnold in obviously Colchester um but my dad's Welsh my family's Welsh you know I spent a lot of my childhood in Wales moved back to Wales so he, he likes to argue it he just likes to kind of um just try and you know stir the pot a little bit but yeah. no, I'm a I'm representing Wales excellent see you Dan see that Welsh 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 and proud <laughs> <laughs> no, we um, we've been blessed actually. We've been very lucky. We've had um, some some of the best Welsh fighters around, and uh, it's good to continue that trend. But I wanted to ask you a bit about coming up. Like we've talked a bit, me and Danny, and and with the various guests, and and particularly with Richard Shaw, we talked about it as well. Is like when I was growing up in Cardiff, there was, you know, there was no MMA gyms or anything like that. Yes, it was about twenty five years ago, but that's not the point. It's um, there was maybe like the odd boxing gym, but there was you know there was no MMA stuff. Obviously, the UFC was just sort of starting to become quite prevalent in the the tournaments and stuff they were doing when I was younger. But like now, there's Welsh, you know, there's MMA gyms all over Wales. Obviously, you've got Shore MMA in Abertillery. You've got Brett Johns is uh, one up in Swansea. There's there's others scattered around. Of course, you've got the Matt Academy as well. Um, like, how did you come about becoming an MMA fighter? So, um, I actually started MMA at BKK, obviously in Colchester. Like I say, that's yeah. uh, where I kind of met Arnold and everything. Um, again, my dad was away in the military a lot. Uh, I needed, like, kind of a bit of a hobby, a bit of pastime. So, I ended up tagging along to, like, a karate session with my mother. Um, I actually hated it at first and then came back, like, a year later and ended up enjoying it. Um, but, yeah, I, I ended up kind of after a year of competing in karate I kind of just naturally like you know tried my hand at jiu-jitsu boxing uh, Muay Thai and then at that point I was like well I'm doing everything I might as well give MMA a go so uh, my dad found BKK fighters and uh, I moved down there when I was 13 and kind of that kick-started everything really. So was 13 like 
around the age where you were like, right, I'm going to do this. This is going to be what my career is and I'm going to sort of pursue it that way? Or was it a bit earlier than that, do you reckon? Um, I was very passionate about it from the start, but I think with MMA especially, it's one of those things where I don't think you, you know you 100% want to do it and commit your life to it until you've actually done it. So mm. for me, probably around 14, 15, when I started actually competing in, uh, you know, I had like multiple Muay Thai fights, just I was competing in jiu-jitsu from the age of like 10. Um, so like until I think until you've actually stepped in the ring or the cage and kind of got a taste of the competition, I don't think it's something you, anyone really knows they like specifically want to do. Um, so yeah, probably around 14, 15, I was like, oh, this is this is 100% what I'm doing. Uh, I made the decision to leave school and train full time after my GCSEs. Um, I never looked back really. Were you always competitive, like from a young age? I'm ridiculously competitive. Uh, yeah, like to the point where like me, me and my roommate will get competitive carrying the groceries from the car. Like it's yeah. everything. So uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely fits in well for me. Excellent. The um. It's a weird one because, like, people from maybe the outside who are not fans of MMA and stuff, like even, um, like, my father-in-law, for instance, like, he'll watch, like, the big card. He'll watch Conor McGregor or he'll watch some of the Welsh fighters, but he's probably more of a boxing sort of fan generally. And a couple of years ago when Ronda Rousey was, like, at her peak, I had said to him one day, or, you know... um, going to watch Ronda Rousey's fight tonight, whatever. And he's like, oh, Ronda, is that a woman, is it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, she's a great fighter. It's always really entertaining stuff. And he was like, oh, no, I don't want to watch the women fight. And, like, I feel like since then, over the last probably maybe five or six years, like, women's MMA has completely taken off. And, like, me and Danny talk a lot. Like, in my opinion, the best fights of the last 12 months, for instance... I'd say three out of the top five are female fights. But do you still feel like maybe people from the outside who don't follow the sport still kind of frown upon female fighting, whether it be MMA or boxing? Um, I've never really ran into it myself. I mean, I get a lot of questions as to why I don't obviously fight full-time and everything, but I feel like the guys do as well. Um, people mm. that don't really understand the sport, obviously it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange when you tell them that you want to you know, you want to get beat up for a living. But um, no, it's, it's to, to me, I think it's like you say, it's developed a lot and I don't really get any sort of, uh, you know, different treatment due to, due to my gender. Obviously, it's less common for women to be fighting. So I do feel like perhaps there's differences in that regard, but not because of my gender, if that makes sense. Like, like there's less women fights, there's less common and everything, but it's not because we're women. It's just, it's a smaller talent pool than... Obviously, there's a lot of guys out there, so it's a lot more common, a lot more. There's a lot more eyes on it, almost. But as you say, some mm. of the best fights recently have been been women. Yeah, and you know, you said you competed for such a young age in jiu-jitsu tournaments, and you've competed in Thai boxing. And being that you were so young, I take it that you was, you know, had the full blessing uh, of the people that care about you most, parents and so on and so forth. Uh, have they been supportive, even as you decided to become a full-on pro MMA fighter? Because you know, that, that's that's a big thing in anyone's life. And, the fact, you know, I've got a daughter and I don't know, the thought of her getting in there, I just, I don't know how I'd handle that. You know, um, how's the parent side of things been with that? Yeah, I'm, like you say, I'm very fortunate. Um, I definitely don't think I'd be where I am without them. Like I say, it was actually my dad's idea when I was looking at leaving school. He was like, well, if you really want to do it, like kind of, you know, give it 100% and go for it. So, um, you know, I made the agreement with them as long as I kept my good grades and, uh, you know, 
got like I got like straight A's in my exam like they, they were like yeah cool you can do what you want like you know you've worked hard to kind of make your own decisions and they did nothing but support me you know my dad was driving me around for a couple of years after I left school because I couldn't drive uh you know he would literally sit in the car whilst I did like three hours at the gym and then he'd drive me to the next gym and like so yeah they were, they were ridiculously supportive and they still are now um you know anything I need that they're there to help me so um I'm very fortunate in that regard yeah, and who gave you this nickname? Because you you got on your profile here, that, you know, uh, Hobbit and Poppins. So, you know, what was that all about? Did it say something you gave yourself, or did it something that transpire just amongst the training community that you have? You know, how did this name come about? So, Hobbit was the first fight name. Um, that actually stemmed from back when I was like, I was about fourteen. Uh, one of my Muay Thai fights. Um, they were always making jokes about. Obviously, I'm vertically challenged. Um, so one I, of, I one get of the, those jokes all the time still. <laughs> yeah, so one of the fights, my Thai coach looked at me and went, went, you're like an angry little hobbit. And then it kind of just, <laughs> it just stuck. Um, you know, people would introduce me at the gym. They'd be like, oh, this is the hobbit. So um, I kind of just took it on as my fight name when I left BKK as a bit of like homage to them, um, you know, because it's what they all called me. They still call me it. Um, but Uriah for the last three years has been really trying to get me to to take on the Poppins name uh like he was trying so hard bless him to make it catch on he was like tagging it on everything posting it all the time <laughs> doing doing Instagram polls like and, and he was like you know and I was still like no Hobbit and uh, everyone here hated that but um yeah he says he says uh Poppins because I'm proper uh I pop people in the face I'm popping joints and I also am the gym babysitter so um yeah so after he got me the contenders fight, I said, uh, I said I'd uh, take on the Poppins name as a bit of a thank you. <laughs> Excellent. See, so, like that is incredible. Like I know what it's exactly what it's like to be uh, made fun of for your height. My kids make fun of me now because they're all, well, <laughs> all but all but one of them are taller than me. Then they, uh, Hobbit feet is what I get called. But there you go. I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm sure they mean it lovingly. Um, what? Um, so obviously you did the UFC contender series, um, but what was it like uh, or talk us through when you got the call to kind of say that the UFC were going to sign you f sort of full time and, and how that felt? Because obviously, you know, that's uh, like a, the beginning of a culmination of all your hard work. Obviously, you know, every fighter wants to be a champion, which is the full sort of culmination of that hard work. But like getting to the biggest promotion in the world is a big step isn't it yeah um obviously i found out that night after i won uh the contenders fight that obviously like dana did his little uh post post fight yeah. uh, post you know event speech and he uh he, he signed everyone on the everyone on that night actually but um yeah it was great um there was a little bit a little bit of nerves obviously like he tried to build some suspense and he was umming and ahhing as to whether to do it but um like you say it's it's definitely a very big goal um of mine ticked off you know it's something that i've been wanting to I've been aspiring to do my entire life. You know, I've been been working for over half my life towards this. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was almost like a sense of relief. Like I was just kind of like, oh, great, like I'm here now. Um, but like you say, this is this is only step one. Um, so I didn't really like dwell on it too much. Like I knew that all that meant was that I'm now in the you know even deeper waters, and I've got to keep putting in even more work just to try and climb those rankings and prove to everybody that I'm uh, not only a UFC fighter but also the best. Was that, were your parents there at the final of the contenders? Uh, no. So my dad's been at every single fight since I was, well, at, since I was competing in jiu-jitsu. Um, 
so you know these were these were the only two fights he couldn't come to because obviously they're in vegas covid lockdown and everything yeah, like course. that so um yeah so the last two fights have been the only ones that i've not had my family at um which is a bit of a shame but literally like the second second they stopped the camp took the cameras out of my face i was straight on the phone to my family backstage um they were actually trying to they were trying to like you know they, they rush us all into the room backstage after we fight so we can wait for the for the um you know the who signed announcement and stuff but they let me sneak off into another room and phone my parents so uh, that was nice of them that's cool what well, um obviously you made your sort of full debut in the ufc uh, against Kay hansen with uh, i thought a, a pretty decisive uh, victory i thought it was pretty impressive was it nice to kind of get that full debut out the way were you able to course, sort of enjoy it in the run up to it and and afterwards or was it kind of just complete fight mode and didn't really take it in um to me it was very much like a regular fight um just because like you say i think too many people put too much pressure on the whole like ufc thing at the end of the day like you're going in there and you're fighting someone uh, regardless of what organization it is so i just approach every fight like it's you know the biggest fight of my life um the only difference really was after contenders i obviously had the opportunity to move out here full time so i was able to do the full 12 week camp at team alpha male um you know it was a bit more relaxed because i was like i was situated there now as well so i kind of wasn't i didn't have all the other stuff going on um and yeah i've got a really good full uh full camp in with you know the, the best coaches available to me um the fight like yeah, i i watched it back and um you know my coach degree i definitely think i won it uh, it was a lot closer than i wanted to and obviously you know, with the injury and everything, um, I haven't been able to jump straight in there yet. But um, yeah, just hopefully next time I go out there and put more of a stamp on it and get a finish or something a bit more decisive. What was the full extent of the injury after? Um, I tore a bunch of ligaments on the outside of my ankle and I fractured That's my tibia. So I had reconstructive surgery on it and then um, I'm kind of still, still recovering from that. That's a nasty one, that is. Like, even just the ligament on its own is quite nasty, but to, to obviously to break your tibula as well is brutal. So, are, are you looking at, will you be able to fight by the time this year's out, or is it going to be probably early next year? Um, I was aiming for maybe one at the end of summer and then one towards the end of the okay. year. Uh, but I think I want to I wanna make sure I'm being sensible. Um, you know, it's, I'm still having trouble with the ankle, I'm still easing back into it. You know, I'm just about hitting the bags, but I'm having to keep like flat footed. I can't I can't pivot or anything. So I don't want to I don't want to throw myself straight into a fight camp and still have that, that in the back of my head or not be able to go 100 percent. So I, I'm going to have at least one by the time the year's out, but um, I'm not really going to put too much of a time, like, you know, time restrictions on it. Cause I don't want to, I've done that already, this injury. I've been like, oh, the doctor said I can do this in a month. And then I get to it and I'm like, I can't do it physically. And I'm getting all frustrated. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to take it as it comes and hopefully get one or two in by the end of the year. But uh, just try and be smart because at the end of the day, I've got, you know, I've got like 10, 15 years left of fighting in me. I don't want to, I don't want to have a, an injury that's going to plague me for the rest of my career. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is rush back and then do like just even just like something innocuous, you know, just like a leg click, leg kick or something like that, and your ankle goes or you or something with your tibula just because you've not rushed back, but maybe haven't made sure that it's completely right. It's the last thing you want in terms of um, like long term effects. Um, I know Danny's going to ask this question, so I'm going to nip in before <laughs> he does. But um, what was like some of the the biggest differences you noticed from obviously teaming with uh, training with Team Alpha Male compared to training over in the UK? 
Um, so I've been coming out here for three years now. I've been doing pretty much three months on, three months off. So I already had quite a solid base out here, and I've obviously had a lot of experience training out here with the team. Um, the main difference for me and the reason that I wanted to move out here is predominantly the fact that we have that professional schedule. We have a professional team. Uh, back home, a lot of people, you know, there's not as many professional fighters in regards to, like, you know, training all day and like having that schedule that to take to it like you know coaches have day jobs like the fighters have day jobs so I'm not having to drive like three four hours a day just to just to go down around different gyms and try to find training so that I can get like two or three sessions a day in um here it's kind of it's all under one roof it's all where I need it and like I'm guaranteed training partners on the mats every single day um as well as obviously coaching staff yeah, Danny, that's something we've talked about numerous times, isn't it? Like, I think sometimes people, maybe from the outside, they don't realise how many professional MMA fighters in the UK have got day jobs or the coaches have got day jobs or other jobs, which means that the amount of dedication and effort it takes to train professionally and hold down a day job is just incredible. And I think a lot of these fighters don't get enough credit for being able to do that because... You know, I look at it and I think, Jesus, how could you go from like a, a full time job and train, you know, professionally to a high level to go and be a Cage Warriors champion or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and I, obviously, as a coach yourself, mate, you will you will see, you know, we've talked about um, Tom Mearns and, and other fighters who do similar sorts of things. It's uh, It's quite brutal for some of those fighters, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, the, the issue over here in the UK is that... Um, Either the gym itself can't financially support the fighters in a way where they can you know, reduce down to, say, part-time or, or not having a job at all. And also, they're not backed by sponsorship enough. Mm. Um, whereas when you're stateside or Canada, places like that, they, they're so much easier to get support through sponsorship uh, that can fund your, your lifestyle as a pro fighter when you're trying yeah, to make it before you can uphold yourself with your own financial means. Um, and I think that's, you know, going to lead a lot of people into temptation i think particularly for the girls um you know the girls are really taking off and you know how much i support that i i, I love watching the female bouts and i think they should feature more on the main card and and, and being the main fights and co-fights of ufc more often but you know that said over here in the uk it must be quite hard um to get the sparring and training partners in as a female you know because each gym maybe have two or three possibly four female fighters but then over spread of different weights as well so of course you have to travel around to get a mix of training and it can't be easy um you know just as another question to you Corey, you know when you say you've got everything under one roof i take it there's plenty of female you know fighters for you to to train with on a regular basis or do you find you're mixing with the guys um, so I mix in with the guys a lot, obviously, because like, they've got a lot of smaller guys and everything. Um, and I, I like working with the guys. I feel like, um, you know, they, they push me in ways that obviously like, the women aren't going to. But in that in the same regards as I need female partners because they move in ways that guys don't. Um, there's a lot of women on the mat. Uh, there's not really a lot of women at the moment. Um, but, you know, my last camp, I had Sarah McMahon around. Um, I was training with um, Jan uh, she's ranked number three in the strawweight division, just fought Claudia Gadea literally a week before me. Um, so we did our camp together. I've also been traveling down to CSA on Saturdays to get some sparring with the girls there. They're really high level kickboxers. Um, you know, so there's, pl there's plenty of women around. Uh, it's not necessarily like a, like a large female team per se, but there's definitely a lot of female bodies for me to test myself against, um, as well as obviously smaller men. Um, 
and even even the slightly larger men, like like I have some thirty fivers that do my rounds and stuff. Um, but you know they know how to control themselves. They know how to move. They're very technical and skillful. So um, you know, so I think so long as I have a, like a test every now and then with the females, I don't think I need it every single day. Mm-hmm. And uh, about inspiration, has there been like UFC fighters either in the past or present that sort of have inspired you, or do you, do you sort of like, see yourself as a legacy in the making? And, and concentrate just on yourself. I mean, because, you know, we, we all appreciate good technique and good fighters and, and so on and so forth. But has there been someone that re- really inspires you, that you've found you followed their career? Um, so I always say, like, I take a bit of a different outlook on it. Like, I don't really necessarily, obviously, I'm very, very inspired by everyone that fights and steps in there and is uh, competing at the highest level. You know, that's where we all aspire to be. And you've got to have uh, mad respect for anyone that does that. But in terms of like actual day-to-day inspiration and motivation and like people that I, I like I aspire to be like um, personally, like it's the people around me. So like the people like Jack Mason, Uri Faber, stuff like that, not necessarily because of their fights. Obviously they're, they're all amazing fighters, all amazing coaches, but also like I see how much hard work they put in. I see them on the mats every single day. I see what they kind of like give to other people as well as what they're putting into themselves. And like that in itself is like, it's more like the behind the scenes that inspires me than the actual fights. Um, Cause like say like there's this, there's loads of fighters out there, but um, it's very rare that you get to see like, you know, you get to see that professionalism outside, outside of the, you know, cage and um, just see everything that goes on behind the scenes. So I feel like, I feel like the people that I'm surrounded by, like the professional team at Team Alpha Male and like, say I've got Jack Mason and everyone back home, like they're the people that kind of inspire me and uh, motivate me to kind of Mm. keep putting in the work and, you know, Mm. be better. Do you, um, Corey, are you one of the sort of fighters? So we seem to have come across two different types of fighters in terms of watching MMA and there's the kind of the school of thinking um, where they just watch everything every second of MMA they can possibly take in they watch it and then there's other guys and girls who have kind of like they'll watch maybe the people around them their contenders their division but apart from that they're not interested they'll watch back their own fights but they don't really pay too much attention to it other than that where are you on that sort of spectrum in terms of watching MMA? Um, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely interested in it. I watch the fights, I'll stick them on. Um, but I'm definitely not as, as, I'm not like crazy about it. You know, I've got some friends that will talk to me and they recognize every single fighter in every division. They know the stats, they know, they know the matchups. Me, I don't know the fight card until it's on the TV. Like, um, yeah. but it's it's not that I'm not interested in it. Like I watch the fights from almost like a like a studious a studious kind of uh, like you know look like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to watch it I'm trying to learn um, I don't necessarily follow it as a fan um, I always laugh with the guys and I'm like I'm a doer not a watcher but um, you know I'll always I'll always watch the cards and I do enjoy them and like I say I have, I have respect for everyone that steps in there but I don't necessarily follow like everyone's careers I don't know all the drama that's going on outside I don't follow the news like I just watch the fights. Um, if I can, I'll watch them the next day and skip all the ads and all the talking as well. So I just yeah. kind of like, I literally just watch the fights. I'm all about skipping the ads, I've got to be honest. <laughs> is, uh, far too many. Um, we had a couple of questions sent in, and one of them sort of goes in with what Danny said there. Um, he, Danny asked you about uh, if anyone sort of past or present uh, inspires you. Uh, the question we had sent in was, uh, if you could fight any female past or present, who would it be? I get asked this one a lot. I really don't have one, and I know that that's like, like in in the same way as what I was just saying about me not like watching fights as a fan and everything. Like, 
I kind of, I'll fight anyone, um, not just saying it to sound like stereotypical and cheesy, but like, I just, I just really want to fight. So um, I suppose whoever's the top of the division at the time uh, when I get there. So uh, that'll be who I want to fight. So at the moment, I think I've got Wheelie. I mean, yeah. not right now, obviously. Um, mm. I'll be, I'll be building up to that for sure. But um, no, I just want, I just want to fight like you know the the, the best woman um, available to me, and just so that way there's no doubt in anyone's minds, you know, when I get there that I am the best. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. I'll- Mm. <laughs> I'm loving that. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, and can, can I just ask, Corey? You know, you say you'll fight anyone and, and so on and so forth, but I take it. You know, would you still, if you got given an option of fighters you know, regards career moves, um, and you felt that maybe you know one person might have been be a step up, or do you t- take that into account that might one person might be a step up too much and take a slightly safer bet to grow your career? Is that still something that you would still steer to do? Although obviously you would fight anyone, you know push comes to shop but if you have the options would you not as a career move take something that would you know build your career being that you're so young as well yeah exactly like i said i've got like uh, you know i've got over 10 years left of fighting in me so i'm definitely going to be looking at it smart and look, making business moves um you know I'm, I'm not afraid to fight anybody like i'm not interested in can crushing but i'm also at that level where you know no matter who i fight it's not going to be can crushing so um yeah uh, i always i always take i always remember and refer back to what one of the lads said to me um when i first started fighting he said to me uh you know a fighter's job is to fight anybody and uh, the coach and manager's job is to stop them so that's why i've got jack <laughs> that's why uh jack that's and uriah good. you know they'll they'll discuss my fights they'll decide what's the smartest move and um you know, we'll take it from there. But it's kind of like the Kay Hansen fight. We got offered a few fights and we were both like, mm, well, you know, Kay's really tough. It's a, it's a risky fight, but we're both kind of on the on the rise. So it was kind of one of those fights where it wasn't make or break for either of us. We're, like, we're going to fight eventually. So Uriah actually literally looked at me and went, might as well get it out of the way. So that was kind yeah. of what we did. Um, so, yeah, they definitely discuss things and like consider consider everything and make sure it's at the end of your business as a fighter. Like, you know, this is my profession. So I've got to I've got to make sure that I take the smart fights. Um, but like I say, I'm not afraid of fighting anybody. I'm going to get around to them all eventually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. I was going to say, Danny, like um, Corey mentioned there about uh, Zhang Weili being the champion at the moment. And I was thinking, to be honest, she might still be the champion whenever your time comes around to challenge uh, Corey because she has looked uh, mightily impressive uh, over the last couple of fights. I'm a big fan. Um, And that's a fight I look forward to seeing in the future, I've got to say straight away. I hadn't even thought of it. And then as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, I'll have that fight straight (laughs) off. Um, So another question we got asked was, um, do you have a a favourite favourite? Uh, entrance music to come out to for fights and is it different to music that you would train to or run to uh i walk out to chelsea dagger by the fratellis um i love that song uh and yes when it comes on in the gym i definitely do spar a lot harder so mm-hmm. no not different to what music i would listen to and uh <laughs> yeah like um that's that's my walkout song that's probably the one i'm going to stick with for quite a while so um i think i've had that for all of my professional fights. Is that like your sort of musical taste, like indie and <clears throat> sort of that yeah. type of stuff? Yeah. Any yeah. favorite favorite bands? I've got to ask because uh, I'm obsessed with music. <laughs> so I can give you three. I, I refuse on. to pick between the Pigeon Detectives, the Kooks, and the Wombats, but um, they're my they're my top three. I've listened to them since I was like seven, maybe, uh, on my little CD player that I stole off my dad. So um, yeah, they're they're probably my favorite bands. But there's plenty out there. Danny, 
what that does confirm is that me and you are old. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so another question which I found really interesting, which we got sent in, this one was from Gaz. He said, um, is there any young female fighters that we should be looking out for uh, following you up from either the Welsh or the UK scene uh, coming up next? There you are on the so spot many. There now. I know there are so many. Who said? Who asked that? Uh, Gaz. There are loads of like amateurs coming up, um, both male and female. Um, geez, I'm trying to think. I don't. I know that if I say some, I'm going to miss people out, and then I'm going to end That's up like offending. Um, <laughs> oh. Because you remember, you remember like a couple, and then afterwards you'll think, oh, yeah. I'm also well. terrible. I'm also terrible with names, so I can picture them. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna say that there are loads, um, and I would keep an eye on the IMAF scene. Perhaps um, you know, there's that they, they seem to be rising a lot of popularity. Um, yeah, there's there's a ridiculous amount of people coming up. Yeah, you know, uh, actually the ones who've watched probably um, there's been a lot of a lot of young, you know. Both, like I say, both male and female on um, Jack Show, the Cage Warriors Academy Southeast. Um, yeah. You know, he gets some Welsh fighters on there sometimes. Um, but there's also, like you say, there's a lot of there's a lot of up and comers all around England as well. So, um, to be honest, I would just I would just keep an eye on that show. Uh, I, I honestly think Jack puts on one of the best shows in the country, um, especially for like you say the up and comers, the amateurs coming through the scenes. So, at, like I say, I'd keep an eye on them shows and anyone that's been on there really. Have you seen that yeah. Invictus show that you know they put on all female bouts? Have you watched much of that? Yeah, I, I don't really watch it. Um, I feel like I feel like all women's shows are a tricky one, perhaps for them to run, especially with the UFC taking a lot of the upper end of the you know the talent pool. Um, yeah, because it seems prefer- to become you know how Cage Warriors. Sorry to interrupt you. You know Cage Warriors seems to become a feeder show, hasn't it? For the UK yeah. scene or European scene to therefore get into UFC, Invictus has come, become a little bit of a female route, you know, regardless of where you come from. So they run all their their events and they get their champion. Inevitably, the champions go off to UFC. Um, you know, I, I just get the impression it's become a bit of a feeder show, really. So they're going to get a champion and they're very quickly going to drop the title and go off to UFC. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but it's just something that I'm. Um, I'd watch because, like I say, I love seeing the female bouts and seeing you know such new talent coming up and through. And uh, uh, one time when I was out in uh, Dubai on USC, they had the Invictus channel is just playing stuff hour after hour, and I sat there for a good few hours watching some of these female talents. And some of the levels were really quite varied, but some of them were definitely talents that I'm expecting to see come up through the um, to the UFC at some point. Yeah, like you say, I think it started off as obviously a rival show to the UFC almost because obviously it was around when they weren't really having female fights in the UFC. And then once it kind of started introducing that, it was it became a feeder. I think things are changing a little bit at the moment. Like I know there's a lot of women obviously on like LFA and uh, other kind of, um, you know, large American promotions that have kind of become a feeder. So I know things are shifting a lot. Um, but like you say, like the talent's very varied on Invicta. Um mainly because I think it's, like I say, it's very difficult to run an all-female show when a lot of the, the higher-level athletes have obviously moved on to the UFC and everything. Um, I think they almost, like, it almost, like, waters it down a little bit because they have right. to find girls to fill those cards. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I feel like the all-female things, maybe, like I say, with the small talent pool, it's quite difficult for them to do. Uh, but, I like, like I say, I like watching the UFC fights because I feel like, 
because there's less of them, it's almost like a higher level, if that makes sense, like a higher, yeah. higher quality. Yeah. Um, whereas, like you say, there's not as many women out there, so for them to fill an entire card with females, they kind of got to, like, have anybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not knock, not knocking Invicta. I'm gonna get no, like, no, no. grief for this. No, no, but no, I don't really, well, no. I don't really watch it. No. At the end of the day, it's just a great way for the females to gain experience and to build their records, or you know, to find out where they're at at the end of the day. So um, I think without shows like Invictus, it would you know make the expansion of the female fighters in the UFC a lot slower, and more painful process. I, th I think it's good to have these shows. And yeah, okay, the, the talent pool is really, really varied, but uh, I just think it's going to be nothing but a positive thing. And okay, I think ultimately UFC is where most people want to be. And um, we were discussing last week, wasn't we, Si? Um, you draft to be a UFC champion to you know be respected to be one of the best yeah. in the world. Well, not necessarily. You've got Fyodor that's done amazing things and created legendary status um, with his performances. So not necessarily entirely true, although I do think in the modern day, uh, fighters' perspective for UFC is sort of like becoming the ultimate goal for many. Do you think that's interesting, though? And I guess I asked both of you this. Like, I think for male athletes and fighters, you can, so like using Fedor as an example, he's managed to be regarded as one of the best fighters in the world without going to, like, without being in the UFC. Whereas, do you think it's harder for a female fighter to achieve that? Because Bellator, I don't think, do any female fights, or if they do, they do very little. You've got Invicta, um, Cage Warriors, I think, has done minimal um, kind of. They don't do a great deal of the, the female fighters. So, like, there isn't like you've got all the regional shows and stuff in America and, and around Europe, but generally, there's not as many kind of big companies outside of the UFC who are doing female fights. So it would be very difficult then in turn to be considered one of the best female fighters in the world without going to the UFC because that's where all the best fighters are. Um, um, would you say, Corey? I, I don't know. I'm asking. Bellator definitely, Bellator definitely do female fights. Um, there's been loads of females Yeah, of course on, they do because like, they did Cyborg. Sorry. Right. Yeah, and like Kate Jackson and that were on yeah. it. Um, so they're definitely expanding, especially with uh, Bellator Europe. Like, you know, you've got like uh, Danny Nealon from Ireland. Um, mm. You know, she she was on it. There's, there's there's a lot of girls in the Bellator scene for sure. Um, again, there's been a lot of girls on LFA that have just come into the UFC or the girl that I fought on Contenders was LFA champ and people were like kind of hyping her up a lot, um, which is kind of where I was coming on the Invicta front is where I, don't, I feel like maybe we don't need an all-female show. Um, yeah. I kind of err on the side of it's a bit hypocritical if you didn't want an all male show as well. But um, uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's I think there's equal opportunities these days. I think people are like maybe a little bit more sensitive towards it, but there's definitely equal opportunities. It's just there is just less women. It's just something that's got to be accepted. Like you know, um, it, it's easy to say Cage Royce didn't have many female fights on, but I also people don't realize how difficult it was to find opponents. Like I was contracted yeah. to them. Um, you know, we were flying girls in from everywhere. We we would ask like we would ask everybody around Europe, and there was there just wasn't there just wasn't really that many girls available to us. Um, especially once you get to a certain level, like you say, like like the the window just closes and closes. So, yeah, of course. Uh, I think it's easy for people to sit back and say, oh, there's not many women fights on, but like it's you know there's, there's probably hundreds of thousands of men out there fighting, and there's like you know a couple hundred women. Like it's it's so much different um 
So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's really that much of a discrepancy at all uh, between the genders. Mm. It's just proportionate. Yeah, I suppose right. as well. And um, apologies to Bellator as well, because I, I had a complete brain fart and just <laughs> just wiped their female division from my mind for a couple of seconds there. So I do apologise about that. Um, but yeah, I suppose. And like when there's only, like you say, a few hundred fighters to choose from and all the best fighters go to the UFC, which is natural because they're the biggest promotion in the world. So they're going to want, you know, the top talent the best fighters there it's going to be it is going to be really difficult for for cage warriors and and to a lesser extent bellator about all obviously all the various regional shows to be able to put on you know multiple female fights on a card because the, you can't put fights on if you haven't got the fighters to to do it um so that that must have been quite a frustrating uh, issue for you, Corey, whereby you were ready to fight, and when, like with Cage Warriors, for instance, you were ready to fight, you wanted to fight, but it's trying to kind of find someone who's willing to fight and to find the fighters on the level, if you like. Is that was that a frustrating time in one way for you? Um, yeah, well, I used to try and be proactive with it. It's definitely something like my dad would encourage and actually help me with. Like, you know, I'd, I would be, I'd be sending Jack names. I'd be sending the matchmakers names. I'd be like, look, like, you don't have to look for them. I'm like, they're here. Just message mm-hmm. these people. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, like before the contenders, I think I had a year, year and a half off. And it was like for completely for reasons like out of my control. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, the, like, girl missed weight by a stupid amount of weight and then like you know they pushed my fight back which meant i then missed it because of covid and then just kind of like just stupid stuff that affected everybody like for the most part like, especially the covid stuff but um like say, i, I had an, i've had a lot of problems with like pull outs and everything especially my amateur career like like i used to refuse to answer the phone on fight week um if jack would call because i knew that that meant my girl had pulled out and in my head mm-hmm. i was like if i don't answer the phone it, di- it didn't happen yeah. so like you know, like Jack would ring me and my dad would look at me and be like, what? And I'd be like, all teary eyed, like, I know what this means. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it was, it's very difficult to find female uh, opposition. I've been very, but I've been very fortunate in my, in my setup. Like I say, I had Jack running the um, BCM Mill, the Cage Warriors Academy, um, and he would fly girls in, you know, he'd fly girls from Poland, I had girls from Sweden, like, he, he would just fly them in. Like, you know, I'd, I'd, um, we've offered to pay for opponents on so many occasions, you know, like, just to get me fights. So, yeah. um it's it's definitely hard um and like i said I've, I've definitely been fortunate in my kind of in my career path um so i can't complain but yeah it's it's definitely a challenge especially in europe yeah of course there's um there's some real good fighters in in europe female and male at the moment um and a few like a few of the top end of that sort of scene they do seem to be having issues matching up fighters like we had um jake Haley on a couple of episodes ago and like he was saying like he didn't feel like there was anyone on his level now to fight which becomes another problem then doesn't it like finding someone to fight dan yeah 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 i mean i've experienced the same difficulties throughout my career although i come from a different you know come from a different era really but because you know it was expanding at the time um, and I'd beaten the best there was around you. It become quite difficult to get opponents. And, and back from my time, everyone was trying to protect their records more, which 
made people mm. reluctant to to take fights that they felt like wasn't suitable for them to continue to grow their own records. But yeah, yeah so I, I do understand how frustrating it is. Uh, I mean, it actually led to my retirement in the end because I was fighting, um, you know, between a year and a half and two years gap in between, purely because there was not the pool of fighters, which is the state and position that the females are in, which is going to get better. You know, it, it got better after I retired and stuff. Things really changed and things have opened up and you can pack out your fight record with no real issues. But yeah, the females are kind of going through that era and that sort mm. of process at the moment, but it will get better. And um, I just, would, like I say, I just wish and I hope that UFC just put on as a co-main event at least a little bit more because the female fights are a little bit more uh, rare and not so frequent. We should perhaps feature them on the main card a little bit more often to get that attention out there. Yeah, there's some top fighters as well in the UFC, some real, real good and entertaining but, but yeah. fighters as well, mate. Yeah, um, I mean, you said you said it yourself, didn't you, that we we think about three of the best fights of the year last year, uh, you know, in the top five were female fights. Oh, um, they, they put on some absolutely incredible spectacles of technique and uh, and toughness intelligence and uh, i can't wait to see more females you know pack out those divisions it's going to be really really interesting matchups in the near future i'm sure 100 percent. um corey i've got one more question from me and then i've got one more question from jd who sent it in it's a bit of a fun one um have you got are you all right to answer them or do you need to go Oh, yeah, I'm right to answer them. I just always get nervous when people say fun questions. Yeah, well, I, like, I, I should <laughs> say, it's, uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe fun is the wrong word. Me, just like fun not, for who? Too, not too serious. Not too serious. <laughs> okay. um, so I'll give you the choice. Would you like the more sort of formal, serious question first? Or do you want the one which is fun? Surprise me. I'll figure it out. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, I'd like to have that strap around you know, around my waist. Uh, I think five years is, is plenty of time. Uh, like I say, I'm in no rush, but uh, if not, at least at least in the top top three, you know? Yeah, yeah. If them, if you had the choice of, like, who was champion when you come to take it, is there a particular fight you're up at the top at the moment who you think I'd like to fight them? Uh, I think like we discussed earlier, you know, Wheelie's been looking absolute class. Um, I think she's arguably, you know, one of the best female fighters out there at the moment. So uh, it'd be pretty cool if she's still around, you know. Um, like you say, I, I want to fight whoever whoever the the best is, you know, in yeah. everyone's head. Uh, so, you know, maybe I can catch her before she retires. Absolutely. Um, okay, so JD says, um, we've seen a lot of uh, celebrity uh, back and forths with fighters. He did put celebrity in uh, quotation marks um, with Jake Paul insulting Conor McGregor's wife. Um, obviously, we've got Ben Askren fighting uh, one of them. I think it's Jake Paul in a boxing fight. Uh, and he says, first of all, what's your opinion of kind of YouTube stars or celebrities getting involved in MMA and boxing? And second of all, he said... Uh, which female or male YouTube star would you like to fight? Or YouTube or celebrities? Uh, would you like to fight? I don't know any. Yeah, that's the There's problem I seat. would have. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem I would have if you ask me. Not, not yeah, everyone sorry. Follow, follows that sort of thing. No. Yeah, I, uh, my, my uh, knowledge of all the other stuff is purely on the extent of memes that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. People's stories. Um... <laughs> I also forgot what the first part of that question was. Oh, you I just said what, what's your what's your opinion of like um, 
the kind of celebrities and YouTubers sort of... Yeah, people know, are not real fighters. Over, coming uh, over into the fight, yeah. fight, um, fight game. I'm not against it. So long as they're, like, training hard and they're taking it serious and they're not just doing it for a bit of hype. But my thing yeah. is, was I don't think they should get special treatment just because of who they are. You know, like, if you yeah. if you want to fight, like, if you genuinely, like, if it's something you want to do, regardless of who you are, I think you should have the opportunity to do it. Um, but, you know, you, you should have to work your way up, you know, like, yeah, like everybody else. 100%. So you, you can't just, you know, make some stupid videos on YouTube or whatever that dude's doing and then, you know, get a, get a really high-level fight. And, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if he's getting the payday and he's making it work for him for sure and he's probably a bit nuts if he's not training hard for it but um i, I think i think there shouldn't be any special treatment like you say i think i think the sport's great for everybody and the opportunity should be there for everybody you know you can't just you know pick and choose who does it but i think everybody should start off from square one and work their way up for sure mm. um the other thing i wanted to very quickly ask you which i just just kind of thought of this now was um we obviously we see in the male divisions you see quite a lot of oh you know not uh, all the time, but at various points, there's a bit of going back and forth on the mic, and it can get quite personal, and there can be a bit of animosity between certain characters and certain fighters. Why do you think we don't see that so much on the female side? Have you seen women trash talk? Bloody awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Jo- <laughs> I'm honest, like. Uh, I remember Joanna trying a bit of trash talk and I was just sat there like, oh no. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't see as much. I feel like maybe women get a little bit, I I'm gonna, I don't know. I, I can get away with saying this, I'm a girl, so it's all right. They get a little bit more emotional. Things get a little bit more petty and so that I feel like the guys are a bit more open to having a bit of banter and a bit of a laugh. You know, I'm always, me and the guys are always ripping each other in the gym. I'm, I'm definitely not thin skinned, but um, yeah, I, the the women's division i've i've yet to see anybody where they've actually had a decent bit of trash talk and some actual humor but um you never yeah. know maybe i can maybe i can come out the woodwork one day well <laughs> look um i wouldn't have said that and i doubt danny would have but because you said it <laughs> i said what you were thinking yeah well yeah. <laughs> um look well cyborg tried a bit of trash talking didn't she before and then when she got some back she sort of took a ball and went home she wasn't that she didn't like it but um you know in my opinion if you're going to give it you've got to take it back as well um and lastly i wanted to ask you about your art because i saw some of that today and it is phenomenal i was oh, thank you it was really like really cool one of the guys who i do a podcast with is an ex-footballer and he does like a bit of art just to sort of keep himself busy after retiring from football and um like he's really good as well but like i I looked at yours and i was just like wow that is incredible like is that something you've always done uh yeah i've kind of like drawn and painted since i was a kid um just a bit of a hobby like a sketch pad's easy to take to the gym and do between sessions you know so Mm. um and also being a broke fighter for my entire life uh it's also a lot cheaper to to gift people something thoughtful than it is something valuable. So, um, no, but I, I used to just paint canvases for my family and, you know, for myself and everything. And once I kind of like got the, the UFC call, obviously got a little bit of a better following. So I started posting some more cause they started gaining a bit of popularity and mm. yeah, it's just kind of, kind of seeing can, where I can take that as well. Can people purchase some of your art as well? 
Yep, I'm currently working on setting up um, like a website. I want to build a base of stuff on there that's available to like buy or like I can do copies of and everything. Um, I'm looking into doing that. I'm currently working on a lot of like I get I've, I've had quite a few kind of requests um, mm. that, I've, that I'm working on uh, slowly working my way through. You know, the, gy- the gym's my priority, um, but I'm obviously, you know, I, I really enjoy doing that. And, I'm, you know, it means a lot of the people obviously, you know, like them and appreciate them enough to, to ask me to do stuff for them. So um this my side hustle as Faber keeps yeah. telling me cool um okay tell the people Corey, where they can find you on social media etc um cory mckenna 99 on twitter and instagram um i have an art page which is poppins paintings uh if we can we just spoke to that about that and uh i have a facebook page for cory mckenna so nice and simple cool. yeah i'll link all that below as well uh, below the episode so you can go straight to that check out Corey's art and uh, follow her on social media Corey thank you so much for joining us really really appreciate your time and uh, it's been good fun thanks yeah, for having it's me been, yeah it's been awesome talking to you and good luck with the injury I'm sure it won't hold you back but yeah but certainly be patient because you're certainly young enough to to put that patience into play and you'll be fine look forward to following your career thank you very much cheers Corey. Right, cheers Corey Corey Bye. McKenna, Danny Batten. That was a good one. I yeah. enjoyed that. She's, yeah, um, lovely girl. Uh, very, uh, very articulate. Yeah. And uh, she, um, you, straight away you could tell, like, with so many of these fighters, they, they know what they want and they, they've got, they're very focused on getting it and, they, and, and how they're going to get there. Um, but, like, I was impressed with, uh, she just got her head screwed on, real, like, sensible. Like, even when we talked about... Um, like future fights and she mentioned uh, Zhang Weili who was obviously the champion but it wasn't like I would take that fight tomorrow it was mm. you know I'm not afraid I would you know I would fight anyone but now, maybe now is not the right time I want to build up to to that and I I I think that is quite a refreshing attitude for any fighter to have because yeah it's very easy to fall into that kind of like, oh yeah, I you know I take that fight tomorrow and you know I'd fight anyone and even if maybe now isn't the right time because that's like almost that fighter mentality, isn't it? Is fighters will fight anyone and they'll fight. They want to fight for titles and yeah, that's what I love about the MMA fight game, really. Um, you, you, I mean, you you're probably going to get your odd fighter that's avoiding another fighter. I suppose that can happen, but it's such a rarity. Um, but initially, if there's interesting matchups to happen, they inevitably happen. You know, mm. um, you don't get one MMA fighter running away from another. Of course, you've got to pick the right fights for your career growth, like we was discussing earlier with Corey. But yeah, I, I like that about MMA. Everyone's really honest and willing to put it on the line to find out really who's who's who, who's where. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, so just before we go into UFC two five eight, I wanted to just quickly go through a couple of little news bits with you. Get your opinion on them. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Dana White has said uh, that they're looking to do McGregor versus Poirier three this summer, uh, but it oh, wow. won't be for a title. Um, but it looks like it's on. Um, are you a bit surprised by that? I am a little bit surprised, but. Um, I, don't, I think there will be interest for it, actually, uh, because, you know, McGregor's had so much time in and out of MMA. Um, you know, maybe it would have shaken off some any potential rust that he could blame it on, I suppose, you, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Um, yeah, they want a piece. So 
yeah, put it on. Let's, let's see the trilogy of that. Yeah, hundred percent. And what else we got? We got so Bobby Green was due to fight uh, Jim Miller on last night's UFC two five eight card, but during the weigh-ins, uh, Bobby Green collapsed backstage. Oh. Uh, oh. So that fight was yanked from the card. Um, don't know too much about it. I assume it's probably something to do with the weight cut. Unfortunately, mm. um, it's just one of those things, you know. Maybe in years gone by, if he was up and about quite quickly afterwards, you know, like I'm talking mm. a, a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, he probably still would have fought. But it's yeah. the right decision if any fighters, you know, collapsing or, or struggling mm. that much during a weight cut. It's, that's just got to be, you've got to protect the fighters from themselves, haven't you, at, uh, at certain points. Um, yeah. Hopefully they'll put that fight back on, though, at some point, because that is a, yeah. like a good that's fight. That's a good matchup. Yeah, that's definitely a good matchup. Um, and then the other bit um, of news: Chimaev versus Leon Edwards is off again. Um, uh, look, mate, I'd be in that fight. I really would because I just think it's not happening at the moment. Yeah. At least, at least for the moment, I would bin it because it's just delaying Leon Edwards more and more, having to keep. Yeah, waiting. it's not good for him. Um, I do it's feel a bit for, for Chimaev because apparently Chimaev is having real problems with. Uh, COVID, he can't. Um, he's having trouble shaking it, and you know, obviously, I think it was his manager said that at one point he thought he was going to die. It was that oh, bad. Wow. So it does sound like you know, he's, it's not uh, a case of him, you know, trying to avoid the fight or anything like that. It sounds like he's mm. genuinely having some issues with the COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. Dana White is looking to put on Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. He said that makes sense as a potential next match next month as early as that so that would be an incredible fight um and then lastly uh 6th of march ufc 259 the main event of jan blauchwitz versus israel adesanya and you know who our guest is on the 7th of march don't you it's 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 only a certain uh, a certain scouser who's always got plenty to say, so that'll be a interesting weekend for us, mate. That one, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great one. But um, I've contacted a couple of people there again now. The last couple of days, include I tried to contact Leon Edwards as well, um, but I don't know if that'll come about. We'll have to wait and see. But um, hopefully, if he ever sees this, Leon Edwards get in touch with us because we'd love to interview you. That'd be pretty um, good. We talk about you enough, so we'd yeah. love to get your take on it. But uh, let's get into the, the, the card from last night. Um, as you know, mate, and as regular viewers will know, we tend to focus on the main card. But there was two fights that I, I asked you to check out um, on the, the prelims. Uh, so the first one was uh, <clears throat> Belay Mohamed versus, uh, defeated Diego Lima <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, via unanimous decision. Um, 30-27 all across the board. Uh, Diego Lima, obviously brother of Douglas Lima. Um, I really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was phenomenal in like different ways. Like uh, for instance, I thought Diego Lima's leg kicks were incredible, but he was mm. really struggling to do anything outside of that apart from the odd shot. He didn't. He couldn't get any momentum going throughout the fight. And and Belai Mohammed, wow. He was just non-stop pressure. Um, yeah. And that was the most impressive I think he's looked physically. It's the most impressive I've seen him 
in a fight. Like, you know his stamina is always going to be incredible. He's, it always is. Yeah. But the pace that he took, he, uh, he took uh, Diego Lima apart, just took him apart. And um, I really enjoyed the fight. It was a pretty dominant victory for Belay Mohammed, And I really would like to, you know, he was the, the ranked fighter going into the fight. But I'd really mm. like to see him face someone now with a bit of who's going to test him because he looked good. Yeah, he did look good. And oh my goodness, you know, he's really eating up some of those leg kicks. Um, he was switching stance on occasions. Mm. It was a little less effective um, when he was switching his stance to Southpaw. So he'd go back to his uh, main stance again, taking the risk of being leg kicked again. But he literally squeezed the leg kicks out of Lima eventually. But um, I think a lesser lesser fighter would have been put out by those leg kicks. But the pressure was relentless. The cardio was relentless. And I think the key to his success, really, is the way that he don't explode his combinations. He's sort of like, uh, you know, hitting singles, doubles, triples, and you know, maybe up to four hit strikes, but none of them with full bore. You know, he's just staying so close. You don't have to rush in, rush out. He's not wasting any energy with slick footwork he's literally just squeezing you down you know you've got a choice stand and trade in the middle by not backing off or or, or back off and try and find something on the counter but you know lima looked like he was going to find success with that leg kick it, it really was troubling uh, mohammed at one point but yeah mohammed's just so tough so tough i mean yeah he, he did limp a little bit he did get a little bit light on the leg um, you know, to shoot in, to mix it up, to have opportunities. But, you know, the other thing that I want to point out with Lima, yeah, his leg kicks were amazing and his takedown defence as well, which I think is something that's been a little bit of a weakness in his previous, you know, yeah, um, improved a approach lot, to UFC. Yeah, he's really nailed that down. He's done very, very well. Uh, Mohamed's, you know, good everywhere. He's a great wrestler as well. And to defend the amount that he did whilst under that barrage of attacks was utterly impressive by Lima. But having good defence doesn't win you fights. And um, yeah, mm. he was just banking on those leg kicks, having something, to, you know, to, to say in regards to changing the result. It just wasn't to be, but so so nearly was. Um, so was it a bad strategy? Not necessarily. Um, I think maybe he needed more rounds to get those leg kicks to to perhaps be consequential enough to switch the result round, but. No, it wasn't to be. Mohammed nailed it down, and Mohammed is looking that strong. I think he's ready to break through into some, some of the serious, serious people. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think we're going to still see some successes even when he steps up. Yeah, I agree, mate. And I got to say, by the way, um, the other fight I asked you to take a look at was the um, <clears throat> Fluffy Hernandez, Anthony Hernandez versus uh, Dolfo Vieira, um, which Hernandez won by submission and a guillotine choke uh, about two minutes into round two. But boy, oh boy, this was fascinating. Fascinating yeah. watch. But one thing that this does, mate, um, this goes to prove that if you're going into the UFC thinking that you can be a world-class BJJ or just a world-class striker and you can live just off that, you you can't. You, you cannot do it. You have to have an all-round skill set. And, and Anthony Hernandez... Uh, is a purple belt in BJJ, and he choked out some one of the the best uh, BJJ practitioners in the world um, in Vieira, and he did it convincingly in the end, mate. Yeah, in the end, it was 
um, you know, he it, it was literally one of two ways. It was either you know one dominating the other while he had the energy to do so, but then when the coin flipped, it was complete dominance uh, in in reverse. Um, yeah, you're 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 right. You can't just go in there with one skill set anymore. There's a the odd you know stand out in, in certain fighters, but yeah, you you can't just be a jiu-jitsu world champion and have it on the ground and expect to just win. Uh, it's just not going to be the case. Now, um, when uh, Vieira began to gas, this is like what we put the athletes through regards to the pros. Um, we get the amateurs to shark tank them. And the shark tank mm. is designed to push all the energy and technique to such a degree that they do begin to foul. And you'll start getting the amateurs, tap them out, take them down, what, depending on what that shark tank drill is. Um, you know, it's designed to make you physically foul and learn to survive a deficit. Um, and that was the case, really. That's why he got submitted. I mean, if there was going to roll rounds of just submission, um, this would never happen. But the fact is, this is MMA, and he appeared to have let it all out in that first dominant spell that he had on the ground trying to hunt for that arm triangle. He clearly took something out of himself. I think it was a combination of trying to go for that arm triangle and trying to do that upside-down um, arm bar, inverted arm bar, facing yeah, down yeah. to the ground. Um, then he turned it into a big flip and sweep, created some chaotic movements. And I just think he ran his muscles out too quickly. Um, I just think he had a big deficit of lactic acid because um, he's certainly big at the weight, a strong lad at the weight, as well as being really technical gifted. But like the shark tanks do, once you're exhausted, once you're really super tired and you don't, can't get into a state of recovery, man, your belt level drops. You know, suddenly you'll get blue belts tapping out black belts. Um, and, and that's kind of what we it's there, really. He just got so exhausted, he just could not, could not fend off the attacks coming at him. Yeah, I don't remember seeing many fighters look as tired as he did, like at the end of that first round, coming out for the second. Like he looked like he was so tired he couldn't even lift his arms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> look, and I'm sure he'll go away and he'll think about the mistakes that he made and and this, yeah, that, and this, the other. But like, was, uh, at yeah, certain points, this... mate, in that first couple of minutes, he was you know, milliseconds away from winning. Come, you know, really was, yeah. And it could have been such a different night for him. Like, he could have choked him out or put that triangle on him in the first minute, looked super impressive, and everyone would have been talking about how dangerous a fighter he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, you could look at this in boxing matches. You can come out and try and knock the guy out in the first three rounds, but if you foul, you've you still got another nine rounds to get through if, yeah. if you're fighting up at that level with 12 rounds. You know, it's going to be great on your highlight reel if you do stuff the guy away. It's going to look great, but if you don't, it's going to be a long night and you're probably going to lose. You know, so that's the way up. Really, you can do the same in submission. You can put force along with technique um, uh, to try and get the job done. But if it don't pull off and you've put the force in and you get into a position of deficit, the difference with MMA is, you know, you're not just scrambling positions. You're scrambling positions and getting hit. And they're mm. scrambling up. They're disengaging. They're, you've got to re-wrestle again. You, it, it's a different sport in its own right. But I actually think there was um, probably an underlying issue with the way he's cut weight or the fact that he's cut too much weight and okay. maybe didn't rehabilitate properly. To be that tired at this level of athleticism, because there, there is nothing wrong with his um, athletic capabilities. We've seen that in the past. 
but I just think he's got something wrong in terms of the weight cut. Maybe trying to be too much of the bigger man, and um, he is big. Isn't yeah, he's he really, really big and thick, uh, thick set, highly muscled, and it really went against him this time around. Could have looked so good. I mean, come on, we could have been sat here so easily talking about the arm triangle finish, or yeah, you know that inverted arm high, high level. Yeah, jujitsu is, and uh, it could have been as a as a technical thing to point out, I think Vera, when he went for that belly down armbar, I think he should have kept the shin over the back of the head to force to roll. Yeah. So he had the armbar attempt um, off of his back and then could have scrambled for a top position, controlled the pace um, and at least knit the round away and had sense of recovery mm. by being in a dominant position. But he allowed it to be still chaotic. Now, when you're trying to do a belly down armbar and you don't choose to do the shin over the top of the head and you go in front of the face, which is pointed down, Man, they're, they're going to be on top unless you, you, you create some chaos. And he had to create some chaos, which obviously is losing control and keeping the pace fast. You can't keep attacking, attacking, attacking. You're going to fatigue at some point. I think we saw a good double yeah, of like, that um, with that Joe match. Rogan seemed quite surprised that he didn't put his shin over the back of his head. Like he said, he's going to put his shin over the back of his head now for this armbar. And then he didn't do it. And he caught, sort of caught himself there in Joe Rogan on commentary and was like, oh, he could do that. But he seemed surprised that he didn't go with that route of doing it, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, you can do it the way um, Vera was going for it. You can can do it that way. But um, the the, the reason why the shin over the top of the head would be considered a little bit better is because you get other transitions. You can finish belly down, but you can also force the roll. um, And and they, they, they roll over and then you'll... You'll, you'll be effectively like you're coming off a mount for an armbar. You're, you're going to have another shot at that submission. Um, okay. But yeah, he, he chose he chose the route which was, you know, all that or nothing. And he lost control and had to scramble up to the feet. And this is keeping his heart rate and his muscles working hard. And he went into major deficit. I think um, it's big big performance and big result for Fluffy Hernandez. Um, I really felt like um, this was almost like a bit of a coming out party for him. Like in terms of this was a big fight for him big opponent someone who's highly skilled and like generally his defense against uh those you know there was a couple of ominous positions which Vieira had and and Hernandez got out of them you know it didn't he didn't run out of time before he tapped him out he did sort of twist and roll and he, he wriggled his way out and and yeah. I think he deserves credit for being capable of doing that and then going on to you know, see the fight home. Yeah, look, you know, submissions and, and putting the fight away regards grappling, um, you know, that takes a lot of learning, a lot of process to develop. But it doesn't take much to develop defensive skills and avoidance skills of these um, submissions um, regards being an, an, an MMAist. So if that was just a grappling match, obviously, he's still fighting in the hot, hot frying pan. He's going to get burnt at some point and, and constantly. But because he's an MMA. You know, mm. it don't take much to know how to defend and you can disengage the ground. You don't have to be there. So not only is the grappler trying to create the submission sweeps or what, whatever situation he wants to, to create for himself on the ground. The fact is the other guy might not want to be there and don't have yeah. to play it. It's not like a grappling tournament where you have to engage. He could choose just not to. And so you're fighting to keep it down on the ground with someone that's looking to keep scrambling up. And that's the kind of issue that we saw here. You know, you have to be well-rounded. There's no two ways about that's it. Enough, yeah. Always do your attacks with no expectation that they're always going to work. Of course, throughout the attacks, because you've got to play the game with regards to whether this is going to be striking, whether it's going to be shooting for a takedown, 
always do it with full vigor. I, I, I get you should do that, but never have an expectation it's always going to work so that you're always thinking ahead of the if question, you know. Mm. And I, I felt like, uh, you know, the submissions would be applied in such a way that he was expecting to get it so much that when it didn't, he got lost. He become panicked. It was like a strong swimmer realizing he's caught in a tide that was taking him out. And no matter how strong you are, you can't get back. He's going to panic too. And um, yeah, um, great for Hernandez. You know, this is brilliant for him. You know, he's yeah, brought himself man. right up into relevancy now. You know, he'd be on the main card next time around. I'm sure of that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going on to the main cards, we started off with uh, Julian Marquez versus Maki Pitolo. Um, I was looking forward to this one. Uh, it didn't really disappoint. Um, Marquez defeated Patolo via submission. Anaconda choke, four minutes, 17 into the third round. Yeah, I mean, if you watched the beginning of this fight, you would never think that result was going to be the way it was. Um, no. Patolo would come out really hard. And what I liked about this is something that um, I've been covering with some of my pro fighters is to start out a little different from you typically would. So don't always come out in your normal stance. Maybe come out in your opposite stance and um, throw some attacks off from the opposite stance that land you back into your comfortable stance so you can then mm. um, uh, come back out from your combination. He come out opposite stance to throw those body kicks. And this was quite clever because it very nearly um, caught Marquez out completely uh, cold. Um, and it looked like he was really, really under pressure. But Marquez maybe put a little bit too much energy again. You know, again, this is someone who's not, not managing his energy levels very well because the latter part of that first round, um, Marquez started really getting it together and coming back at Patillo. I still think Patillo won that first round, though. Yeah, I um, so. but yeah, but coming into that second round, uh, again, Patillo come out looking quite good. But Marquez had plenty of time where he was in the dominant position. It's actually looking quite good for Marquez now. Marquez was on the back, wasn't he, at one point? And mm. it, I don't know whether it was a case of him losing his balance a little bit or going for the armbar. Um, I think it's more of a case that he lost his balance off the back. He just didn't position himself well. And, and a couple of you know, sloppy decisions. Now, I'm going to put that down to the fact that you know, it's been a while since he's been in there. And I, I just think he lost a little tightness and um, made some mistakes in his decision-making because of that. Um, I think now he's got back in. As long as he gets another fight in the next coming months, I, I think he would have got rid of any potential rust that I think that I saw um, that night, but he started coming on really, really strong. Patillo just looked like he began to fade each round. Uh, Marquez was looking proper tired too, but just looked more comfortable with the fact that, hey, I'm in deep water, you're in deep water, I'm more comfortable there than you are. And he kept coming forward, kept pushing through, and of course, he, yeah, Marquez got the finish. That's a great return for him after that kind of uh, time out from the cage. Yeah, like I thought uh, it was interesting. Patolo's coach said to him going into the last round, just don't make a mistake. And yeah. Marquez's coach said, you need to finish. Yeah. And ultimately, that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, Marquez went and got the finish. And Pizzolo, did he make a mistake? Did he tire? Yeah. I, you know, it's, I don't know. I'll leave that one up, yeah. to, up to the experts to decide. Sure. But it's interesting that the coach, what the coach said and then how yeah. it kind of went it on. Can make, it can make the Pizzolo, difference loses that round but doesn't get finished I think he probably wins the fight possibly so yeah yeah possibly so and and you're right you know this is when you're in the fight yes itself you know you can't see the Small bigger margins. picture 
yeah and and that's for the coach's experience um to to say the right type of thing knowing what's going to inspire that fighter to do the right thing in that final round and yeah you quite quite possibly we witnessed something there that was said to do different fighters and you know might have edged it it might be that last thing that you needed to hear to push out and get the win yeah and i mean we just like we just talked about the um, fluffy hernandez and uh, Vieira, um, how that fight could have been, you know, very different just by, yeah, absolutely, a couple of seconds. So it's it's real, really fascinating stuff, mate. I got to say. Next up was Ricky yeah. Simone versus Brian Keller. Uh, this was moved from the main card after Bobby Green, which we discussed uh, just now, had collapsed backstage. Uh, Ricky Simone, impressive again, mate. Uh, My goodness, not, didn't decision thirty twenty seven all across the board. Yeah, he, he, he looked great. He was using his hands, boxing to the head, boxing to the body. He was throwing in those low point kicks. Um, he was wrestling. He was really demonstrating his full, full dexterity of MMA. Um, I think maybe in the past we've seen him work just his striking, but we saw a little bit of everything from him um, against uh, uh, Brian Keller. Uh, Brian Keller, mm. you know, he's a strong guy. He's someone who can put you away with one punch. And Ricky Simone was... Um, doing enough without over opening himself up to get caught now in saying that he did get caught down the center line numerous times with that front face teep that could have could have been nasty um had one hit the right mark um i think brian keller once he did it the first time and then he scored it the second time this encouraged him to keep throwing that teep up to the face but to be honest that was kind of like boiling down to being all that he had left to throw at him to to, mm. to get success. I mean, Simone just shut everything down. It was uh, a truly impressive strategical match by him, uh, technical match by him, and um, and and great conditioning to to attack as frequently as he did, but also the maturity that he seemed to demonstrate. Like I say, he didn't overrun himself like we've talked about just in those previous fights. He was working a good pace, but a good pace where he was always really super sharp. You know, he never ever ran himself ragged where he would get himself tired. He was always actively working in proactive positions, but he kept control. He had control at all times, whether it was on the feet, whether it was in the clinch standing wrestling, or whether he got it on the ground. He just kind of just smothered his way to, to victory. It was utterly impressive. It really, really was. It was indeed, mate. Ricky Simone's had an impressive couple of fights. Um... Next up has. was uh, Kelvin Gastelum defeating Ian Heinch by unanimous decision. Uh, this was close, 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. Um, we discussed this one last week and we weren't sure which Kelvin Gastelum was going to turn up. Um, what, yeah. Which one did? Well, yeah, the, the, the good one and the best one I've ever seen, to be honest. Um, and I say that because of how he mixed it up. He normally just relies on his striking of course he's a difficult customer because he's southpaw for one and generates a lot of power for a small guy and he keeps walking forward he's a fearless um, attacker a fearless hunter and we saw some of that but the way he mixed up the wrestling against another very very good um, wrestler um, you know uh, Heinish is, is is a good and big at the weight as well he's not a small guy he can wrestle no. he can strike a little bit but to me he just looked um, Heinish just looked a little a little rough around the edges technically it, 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 yeah he was just lacking a little something in the striking he was lacking something in the wrestling lacking a little bit on his ground uh, offensive yeah and and i think that was just all too much in combination with the fact that gaslam was just looking on fire he was 
making really good decisions. He wasn't relying purely on his striking. He was mixing up, shooting in, and doing some amazing takedowns. Um, some of his takedowns were borderline slams. He was getting so underneath the center and center of gravity on uh, Hainish and, and taking him down. Um, it just showed the confidence in his transitions, really. And I think one-on-one, you know, Hainish is a better wrestler on paper, but the fact that Gaslam was forcing the mix with his hands, he was getting those clean entries and, and making him look, look like a complete MMI in, in, in every degree. I just hope that he maintains this type of form and this type of decision-making in his next fights because he can bring himself back up into being taken seriously. I mean, it's not an easy fight for anyone at any time, Gaslam, but I just feel like he become a little bit too predictable in what he was wanting and how he would go about it in each fight. And people just work against that in a, in a strategic sense in preparation for their training for him. Um, with this one, he's going to be a much harder Gaslam to figure out because he's going to bring everything to the table, wrestling, grappling, and his grappling looked good really did look good and um, as you, we know his striking is already good anyway so yeah keep Gaslam like this and he'll be getting back up into the uh, the higher ranks and we see him in those in those uh, uh you know in that sort of top five rank again top, yeah. um, what, what, what was Heinish rank because he's sort of just coming up into the ranks oh, what do you remember what he was I can't um, remember I'd have to have and he worked himself up I that agree with you though Gaslam. I thought um that uh I thought Gastelum looked about as impressive as he has uh, ever. So, um, what are we? Light have No. Was it heavyweight? Or light heavyweight? Uh, uh, no, middleweight, isn't it? No, middleweight. Yeah, no, no, not as heavy right. as that. Middleweight. Yeah. Uh, Let's have a look. Middleweights. Middleweights, middleweights, which obviously we've got that massive fight coming up from the middleweight division there. Yeah, and while you're having weeks. a look on there, I just want to say they both have attacks with um, hammerlocks on each other, and mm. um, and when they're doing this, they're both doing it with their thumbs holding around the wrist, um, either their own wrist or the opponent's wrist. Now, I don't particularly like that variation. Is uh, oh, is, oh sorry, and, and, right? Okay, yeah. I wonder whether you know. I've so obviously broke into top fifteen to be able to face up against someone like Gaston. Mm. Wasn't too sure, but um, yeah, what I was saying was um, the Kimura attacks. Now they're doing it with that thumbs around. Now I don't particularly like that variation in MMA um, or in nogi grappling for that matter, because your hands are wrapped, you're wearing gloves as well, and it weakens your grip. It enables people to um, drive their arm out straight. Now, if you put your thumbs against your fingers and hold in what we call a paddle, uh, I don't know whether there is another technical name. This is just a name I put to it, but we do our mm. hammer locks with paddles. And it okay. um, strengthens your fingers so that they can't straighten the arms so easily. Um, so that was just something that I saw that you know, it doesn't favour what I would think will lead to success with those um, hammerlocks and Kimura attacks that those both doing on each other. To me, those both making that statement, it, it, it made it so that really that it was never going to happen for them. I think if they made that small little change, I think they would be more effective than those attacks if they want them in, in future fights that they, ha they have. They could have perhaps put the fight away if they had made that small adaptation. Interesting, mate. This why, uh, that's why you're on for the technical analysis, mate. And I challenge yeah. anyone to to uh, give me technical analysis as good as that, mate. I challenge oh, man, that's anyone. amazing. Honestly, there's, a, there's amazing guys out there. There, there really is. Trust me on that. Nah, don't say that, mate. You gotta, gotta. No, I'm just being yourself. honest. Sell the show. Sell us. I am good. I am good, though, side. But there, there is some real talents out there. There really is. You are good. 
you are great mate that's why we that's why we do this thing but yeah, um yeah next up was uh, alexa grasso versus macy ba barber uh, unanimous decision to uh, Grasso, 29-28, all around. And uh, the ladies did not disappoint again. Oh, I love this fight. This fight was really good. Now, I think I went for Mace Barber, didn't I, for the win on this you one? You did, and I went yeah. for Alexa Grasso. Yeah, and, and this is because Grasso was coming up a weight, I believe. Um, you know, she would always have really hard weight cuts, but I believe that she'd come up a weight, and, and that's mm. why I went against her on this one. Um, I wasn't sure whether she was going to be... Um, strong enough or, or big enough at this weight but i think the fact that she didn't have to kill herself perhaps making weight so much she just had so much energy about her and i think that's what barbara initially really s suffered with with the fact that grasso was just constantly working and wriggling and moving now uh, so i feel like barbara was really like losing on work rate uh, and technical Christmas in combinations with the striking against Grasso, and she started slipping herself away. I felt like she had to make her bigger size matter uh, by really trading in there and, and really pressing. So striking and clinching, break back free again, striking, clinch, maybe do a takedown attempt. We started to see that in the third round, and I feel like Barbara won that third round. But I feel like she figured out Grasso a little bit too late. Um, yeah. Maybe if this was a five-round fight, that would have been really interesting. I would have loved to have seen another continuing uh, two rounds between these two. But Grasso was really, really impressive. But likewise, you know, I'd never write someone like Mace Barber off. She's still absolutely no. relevant. The thing I didn't like about her game was that she was mucking around so far out of range, which I think the commentators picked up on. Um, and that was kind of frustrating to me. Like I say, I feel like she's really solid and she can really push close. But she wasn't. She was sort of like doing all her feints and throwing her hands a little bit out of range. And so when she was trying to play in range, she sort of like got in so close, she, she ended up getting tagged on by Grasso because she kind of had to jump in with that e extra big range that she was leaving out. I would have liked okay. to have seen her walk down into Grasso a little bit more. Uh, and like I say, I feel like we started to see that in the third round. So she started to make adaptations and changes, which goes to show a good team behind her and um, and, and good evaluation, um, self-evaluation of where you might be at in the fight. But it was a little bit too late, a little too late, unfortunately, for her. But really, really good for Grasso. That, that's a great performance, really was. Yeah, I thought it was Really impressive performance from Alexa Grasso, I gotta say. Uh, but Macy Barber, uh, Macy Barber, sorry, was very, very good as well. Really uh, yeah. enjoyable fight, mate, to take us up to the yeah. Uh, yeah, the main but... event. Uh, just quickly, though, mate, I will say this was the Barber and Grasso was the co-main event on a big pay-per-view oh, right. card. Um, yeah, it should have been five rounds. Um, I don't know if that's because it wasn't initially the co-main, and yeah, I don't know whether they do changed. That. I don't so think they, they do that with the women. It. Yeah, I don't oh, think for the they co-mains. Do... Not for the women. I, I think. I thought I they did the it for the main got... event. If the women main event, though, they do five rounds, don't they? Not sure. Not sure. Um, yeah, we're going to have to perhaps have a little look into that on exactly no, what they do. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Not too yes. sure about that. Yes. But I would. Ah. Would have loved to see more of that fight. I really would have. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was over three rounds, you... and Grasso, Grasso was good. Well, well done to her. Next up, mate, the main event of the evening. Uh, Kamara Usman defeated Gilbert Burns via TKO 34 seconds into the third round. Um, this was what I would call a clinic by uh, a certain Mr. Usman. Yeah, Usman done well because he was you know, put into some very harsh situations very early. And Gilbert was looking really, really dominant. Um, so when we were talking about... Well, by the way. 
yeah, yeah. is a top fighter. Yeah, he is. You know, this guy's um, you know got really explosive striking. He, he, he can wrestle somewhat, and we all know his grappling is is incredible. Uh, really, is the full package. The thing that I do have as criticism is that the style of fighting that he does portray is very explosive. And in turn of that, he doesn't have a very effective um, coasting game. I wouldn't say tired game, although that needs, you know, adjusting. I don't think he's very yeah. good when he's tired. He's um, a little a bit like McGregor for me. If McGregor gets tired, he suddenly falls apart. He doesn't have a tired game. But he also doesn't have a coasting game. He's all or nothing. So when he exposes yeah. combinations, it's everything into it. And again, it nearly pulled off for him. Um, he was quite, he had pinpoint accuracy. There was real power on it. Uh, but the fact that Usman's not been in these big wars where he hasn't been hit a lot over the course of all these fights, he's got that wrestling to fall back on. He's protecting himself for, from receiving so many of these big strikes over the years that other fighters have taken. So he, he showed really, really good chin, really, really good chin. And the cornermanship as well, is, you know, to simplify things. Hey, your jab's going to win it. Your jab's going to win it. Yeah. And he did. He started sitting behind that jab. And now... See, the difference between them both is that Usman has such a great coasting game. He's got the jab, he's got the reach, he's got the wrestling for it. So he dominates both ranges. He dominates the outward range with that incredible jab and timing that he has. But also when the other guy comes in, he can smother them with the wrestling and just hold them up against the fence. He doesn't even have to have the takedown. Um, the other thing I really liked about Usman was the fact that he didn't allow Gilbert to come up when he was on his back. And this yes. is something that you don't see a lot of. Normally you see people step back and the ref calls them up. No, keep them down. You might as well absorb as much of that round as you can in an advantageous position and start putting down those body shots. I liked what he was doing there. And I think that was part of what equated to Gilbert Burns beginning to tire. He's having to keep his head up off the mat. He's getting punched to the belly on the ground. He's getting leg kicked, which is going to affect your, your, your footwork and fluidity. When you do get back to the feet, these were all chips off the block that would break down that boulder into a small stone. I think he just chipped away at him. And and the other thing with Usman that impressed me was the fact that he could have perhaps put him away earlier, but he kept it and did it the safe route because he's got five rounds to do it. And that's a true sign of a champion. So, you know, I'm, I'm not always a fan of Usman's attitude sometimes. And, mm. um, you know, we all have people that just fit and sit well with us, but you cannot mock that incredible performance. He went through adversity. He got rocked numerous times. He was under a lot of pressure for the first time. We actually saw him backpedaling and having to fight on the outer fringes of the cage. Normally he's pushing people in the cage with his jab and he's wrestling. But no, Gilbert Burns was putting it to him. And indeed, I think if you're going to beat someone like Usman, you have to be doing that. But to do that, you have to have good cardio also and have a coasting game. If Gilbert had a different style attached to the style that he's got now and perhaps would explode and then come back and coast and sit behind a jab and a double jab and an inside leg kick himself and footwork around a little bit, we perhaps would have seen him nip the rounds and uh, we would have seen him take it to, to five rounds and it will be down on the decision. But the fact that he doesn't have that coasting style about him, it, it, it put him into exhaustion. And we saw that numerous times as we spoke about earlier on tonight several of the fighters kind of blew their wad and i feel like mm. it was a little bit of the case with gilbert burns which is why i couldn't really go for him i just felt like if he was going to beat Usman, he has to put him away and i think Usman's just too too damn resilient um such a shame but a great effort by gilbert burns and um, he would still beat most fighters out there if he really wants it he could perhaps have another punt at trying to take that title and trying to add another style along with the style that he's got, which is what I was talking about. He could have another punt at Usman in the near future, but he has to reprove himself. He's 34 now, so um, I think he will have another 
another try for it. But there's a lot of other good fighters that are really oh, yeah. test test him. Now they've seen that fight. You know, as a coach, I'll be looking at that and seeing a weakness there. Um, yeah, there's so something, there's something to target, isn't there? There is, there is. And um, to me, he reminds me a little bit of, what's the name of that other fire? Oh, my goodness. Here we go with names. Uh, I'll see if it comes uh, comes to me. He, he fights at lightweight. Um, really devastating. We're not helping you. Not helping you. No. It amuses oh, me too much. But his to style reminds me of the same. I can't think of his name. It may come to me a bit later. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to try and look it up while we talk about other things. But... Um, yeah, who he reminds me of another fight against looks... next. Because I saw a few people oh. saying um, Leon Edwards should get the yeah. Le- Leon Edwards but... has had such misfortune. Yeah, that wouldn't be a place to see that. I, w- I would but certainly go for that. He hasn't fought for nearly two years. Is the other thing? No, like it's eighteen no. months. I think since his last fight. So should he fight someone else first? Do you think? I don't think Leon Edwards' style is the type of style to suffer from the, the cage rush, cage, cage rust. Um, I think he'll still perform very, very well, to be honest. And Usman don't put you under that kind of flurry pressure. So it's not like he's yeah. going to catch him out. So I feel like if Leon Edwards was to take the fight, he's got five rounds. I feel like he would um, get his groove very, very quickly in there because Usman don't go at that blasting pace. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that would be a bad matchup at all. But I'd love to see him you know, perhaps fight Covington again. I think this is a fight that's inevitable. Yeah, I do like that um, that Covington Leon Edwards fight, um, and I yeah. do like the thought of Covington versus Usman as well. So yeah, it's kind of interesting in which direction they go with whether maybe they'll do Covington Edwards with the winner getting Usman. That kind of yeah, yeah, seems quite possibly. That seems to satisfy all the different aspects of it. I think doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, man, because Kamara Usman got caught. Got a bit rocked, but he did. We've never seen that. Ultimately, before. Yeah. came back and destroyed Gilbert Burns. No one's done that to Gilbert Burns. No one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So no, you're right. You know, as much as there was maybe like a bit of a chink in the armor for uh, Kamar Usman, nobody's done that to Gilbert Burns. Like no one has no. taken him apart in that manner. Um, yeah, and that's what I just look at that, and that's why I found that so impressive because Gilbert Burns. Let's be honest. Has been on a bit of a tear. Like he's been taking apart anyone in his way. Um, so for Kamar Usman to not just go in there and you know destroy him, he went in there after getting rocked and destroyed him. Yeah. Almost, you know, almost like he had a bit of a point to prove against his former teammate. Dare I say? Um, because they for, for former teammates who had been quite respectful, you know, within the build-up and there was no sort of real animosity. They had a, a bit of a stare-down at certain points, mate. They, um, yeah, they did, yeah. There was a, there was something there, wasn't there? Whether it was just they didn't like the fact that the one of them had got caught and the other one was beating the crap out of him, I don't know. But there yeah, was a yeah. bit of... Uh, I think it's to do with... A bit of niggle, it's like, mate, wasn't it? I think it's along the lines of that... Um, I think Usman trained at their team. And then he went yeah. off to another team and then started talking yeah. shit and doesn't give any credit for the fact that, you know, the whole reason he got out to the States and got into UFC was from the previous team. And he sort of like left and went to another team and then, yeah, didn't talk very nicely about them. And yeah. they've done so much for him. I think it was along those lines. But, yeah, I mean, look, the, the ultimate story of this was that Usman got hit hard several times and recovered extremely well from it. 
and Gilbert got hit by that jab, um, looked dazed and never recovered from it. Every glancing hit after, thereafter was was putting him on his back. He never recovered. It's like he couldn't shake the, the, the cloud off that had come over his head and started looking very, very vulnerable and looked really, really gassed as well all of a sudden. Um, he just declined very quickly. And the, the other fighter, by the way, I was just looking out, was Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's someone, again, that does things with a lot of tenacity and he can overrun some opponents with his striking and wrestling. Um, but I just feel like he falls apart. If he doesn't get the job done early, he can be really looking vulnerable on someone that counters back very well. Um, someone who's got good cardio, cardio tough, and, and pushes back the pace. He starts to look vulnerable. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's a, an, another fight before we, we finish up, if you if you don't mind. There was another one between cool. um, uh, uh, Mallory Martin and uh, Pollyanna Viana. Um, this was a great display of grappling. Um, um, yeah, because because I like these feet on the on the play, on the uh, on the pre- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I, I watch it because I, I want to watch it because you know, like I say, you know, I do have. Uh, an interesting yeah, you're who's a coming up through with the, the female fight of the female fights. Yeah, I'm loving it, and I want to see who's coming, who's going to come up into the picture. I take time out to, to watch this one, um, and this was really good. And now um, we saw some excellent transitions of grappling um, from oh, what's her name, uh, Vienna. Uh, Vienna was yeah. on her back. Um, she worked her guard ever so slickly. Um, really really well was um, punching off her back really smoothly and then threw up the triangle and now when she had the triangle on she was struggling to get it done and this is all you know um, amazing performance in defense for uh, mallory martin she was in this full-on triangle and it, anyone else would have just tapped tapped but she kept toughing out she got put into an arm bar from the triangle while still in it um she got bent arm locked it looked horrible there was times i was struggling to to watch because I thought something was just going to give way in the arm, but she kept toughing it out. But eventually she did succumb to the triangle um, after being in it quite a long time, really fighting it out. She was getting punched. She was getting elbowed. She was getting uh, arm bars put on, elbow looks, locks put on, and all along with this triangle. And, it, and she so nearly got out. I and mean, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened um, regards, you know, busting you up for a submission that don't work yeah. in Vienna. But Vienna was utterly skillful off her back. She really, really was. And this is someone that I'm sure we're going to have to look out for in the near future. So if, if people ain't seen that one, watch that one because it's a great grappling fest. Yeah, just having a look at it, it looks uh, sensational. It's only like yeah, eight she, minutes in total, but it's just... Yeah, it's nearly all triangles. Yeah, Oof, and it's just like, how, how did she not tap out? She even went you know, I, I tell a lot of my students to do the pull down oh, on the no. head, oh. put your hips up. Um, she was even side on on the submission there. numerous times. But yeah, uh, just in, in, incredible that she could survive that long because um, it was all Crazy. but in. Now, I don't know whether perhaps her saving grace for the length of time that she um, that she survived was the fact that she had her hair braided into a ponytail okay. and it will go down the back of the neck. And whether that was taking off some of the pressure because it, and that's the only thing I can think of is because when the hair is braided and thick down the back, particularly when they've got long hair, that will give some, uh, a wedge of support behind the back of the neck. Whether that mm. was making the triangle not complete sooner um, sooner rather than it happening later, I don't know. But really, really impressive that she survived as long as she did. And equally impressive, the fact that she never gave up on it and had faith in her grappling skills to keep it um, relevant to get the final tap. Amazing, mate! I love it. I gotta say, yeah. I um, I just 
the the females rarely do you have a snooze fest. Rarely. Nah. Uh, ah, that's great. Truly some, some sensational fights. Right, last couple of minutes, mate, to finish us off, we'll do some predictions for next week. Uh, you know, yeah, next week, isn't it? Next week, yes. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis is the main event of the evening. Um, so we'll start there. Who you got for that, mate? <sighs> I think Blades is going to do it, but I'm going to say Derek Lewis. I'm going to go with my heart on this. I really want Derek Lewis to win it. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to go Derek Lewis. I, I, I will go. I'm uh, I love go that guy. With, uh, with Curtis Blades, just because Curtis Blades yeah. has been he's on looking absolute good. fire he recently. Um, yeah, he's looking good. And then uh, there was another fight I was going to ask you about: Alec- Alexi Olinik versus Chris Decaus. Hmm. So Olinik is ranked <laughs> ten. Decaus is outside the top fifteen. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, let's go underdog. I'm going to go Chris. Yeah, let's go underdog on this one. I, I think he's going to have Chris something to, to really prove. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a 89% uh, of his wins come from TKO and KO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's he's, 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 man. He yeah, you can't, I can't bet against him. That's quite a big fight to give him against uh, uh, Oily Neck. They don't, you know, Oily Neck's ranked ten. He's got a bit of a reputation. I can't imagine mm. they would just give him. Any old person outside of the rankings, you know? What no, I mean? no, no, no. So, let's have a look the, at the, the house. Yeah, he comes four. in. He comes in to get you. So yeah, so the uh, uh, beat Nemesento uh, Ferreira in the first round, KO, forty-five seconds. He beat uh, Porter first round, four and a half minutes, KO. Uh, yeah. There is two UFC fights, so he's clearly got some KO power. It's yeah. just whether he can take it to someone at the level of Alexi Olunek. Um, yeah, and then the it. other one I was going to ask you about is Tom Aspinall versus Andre Olovsky at heavyweight. Yeah, see, see Olovsky's still so yeah, relevant heavyweight. these days. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Olovsky. I'm going to go with the Brit, Tom Aspinall. Um, see, he's six foot five, Tom Aspinall is. He's got a two-inch... Yep. Height advantage, got a weight advantage, he's got a reach advantage. Um, so I'm going to go with Tom Aspinall, even though, uh, look, Olofsky is, he's, he might not be ranked anymore, but um, he's, you know, he's still really good. Still, and he does still really, a real deal, mate, isn't he? Yeah, he is a real deal. And he's very, very good at those people because he's a pretty big dude himself. And to be much bigger, you're normally going to give away some speed or, you know, um, you know, uh, you don't recover so well when you do get hit, and he always ends up getting at someone at some point. So, mm. I, I just think his experience will 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 push through, and the fact that he's always done quite well against someone that's taller than himself. So Aspinall's nine and two in his career, which for a heavyweight is a pretty good record. Yeah, that is um, a good record. Yeah, he's fought twice in the UFC. He beat Collier in the first round of July last year, uh, four minutes into the first round via KO, and then he beat. Uh, Bardot uh, in October of last year with yeah. uh, a KO inside a minute and a half. So, look, Tom Aspinall's got something about him. Um, and yeah, I yeah, yes. Yeah. I would love to see, uh, you know, a Brit just go in there and really make a statement by yeah, knocking out. It, it, it'll be of, great. And for know, him, to knock out I, Anton Arlovsky, mate, would be huge for Tom Aspinall. Yeah, I just wonder whether it's you know too much too soon for him. I, I don't know that experience is, is, is huge. What he was, I suppose, is what it comes um, down yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I still, still think he's keeping himself in amazing shape. He's not got chin. He, he went for a spate, didn't he? Where you know he did get hit and he was getting you know knocked down and getting TKO, but he seems to have. I don't know, it seems to have just got himself back on track and he's always looking really mm. good of late. So I'm going to stick with him. I've uh, just had a quick look at uh, Tom Aspinall's fight with Bardot. Uh, he just mauls him for the whole yeah. four minutes. Like, he just takes him down. He's got that's a good takedown as well for someone so big. Yeah. He got him in the clinch, swept both his legs that's from right. underneath him, yeah. on top of him, and then he's just patiently waiting until he gets the mount and... Uh, he beats his ass. Yeah, to yeah, put yeah. It, uh, technically, um, I'll send you the link to that, mate, because that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, he's Tom Aspinall flies under the radar a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I'll remember it. So, I'll me- yeah. I think I remember seeing if I remember this. Yeah, we 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 would have covered at least the yeah. second one. Um, but however, um, what I will say, mate, is he's now one of my he's on my list of targets for guests on the show. Um, as you know, I'm trying to get as many fighters as we can um, from all around the world. So we're uh, yeah. we're looking. We've got um, one booked in for the seventh. Now we're looking to try and get one tied down for next week. Um, but we've had a tremendous run of guests the last couple yeah. of weeks. We had Corey McKenna yeah. tonight. We had Jake Hadley. We had Arnold Allen. We've had Jack Stone. Um, and never mind you know, all the other sensational guests before that, which come. Sure. Um, so yes, we'll uh, we'll see how it pans out, but hopefully we'll have another guest next week with a bit of luck. But uh, yeah. Danny, as ever, mate, it's a pleasure, uh, guys. If you want to do me a favour, follow at Danny Batten FS on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Help us build up the shows pages, and of course, follow Ace Podcast Nation. But most importantly, subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Ace Podcast Nation. And if you click the bell next to where it says subscribe. Every time we go live or we upload, you'll get a notification in your emails or your whatever notification box. And um, that's always handy for our show as well because we do do the occasional live show uh, when the UFC throws in those those Wednesday shows. We do do a live show either straight after the show on the Wednesday or on the Thursday to make up. So we've got two shows in a week then. But um, yeah, look out for that. Best way to keep in contact with us, social media. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like as ever. Send your questions. And uh, we'll be back next week, Danny. Yes, we will. As always, mate. Love it. Episode 63. We're 63 episodes. Mm. More top guests coming your way. See you next week. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.